In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Betches Media presents Diet Starts Tomorrow with host Aileen Drexler. I'm having a relationship with my pizza. In a world where wellness looks perfect on Instagram. Just doing my workout. Tuesday's arms and back. But feels anything but in real life. Is butter a carb? Yes. This is the podcast exploring the emotional side of well-being. I would be proud to partake of your pecan pie. From people who understand the struggle. I am on the third day of my cleanse diet. Hello and welcome to DST. I'm your host, Aileen. And today's guest calls herself a Z-list celebrity. (laughs) She's a writer, performer, host of the podcast Tales of Taboo, where she covers any topic that will make your conservative aunt blush at the dinner table. Today, I'm excited to be here to talk about the taboos of the wellness industry. Welcome, Allie Weiss. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And that description makes me sound like I just escaped a mental institution. So thank you for welcoming me into your space anyway. Is it accurate or no? It is. It's entirely accurate. Um, I have never been to a mental institution. I'm not opposed to going. I have never been. But yeah, no, I I do. As accurate as the description is, I also think it makes me sound slightly crazier than I actually am. Sometimes like things on paper do make us sound a little crazy Mm -hmm. or they make us sound so boring. There's really no in between. Exactly. And you know what? I think I think that's kind of the problem with branding in this day and age. Like whether it's branding yourself as like a, a, a one person business or branding the image that you put forth on social media, y- you really only have room to show one side of yourself because you want people mm-hmm. to understand who you are in five seconds. So yeah. it's like this, as accurate as that description is, it doesn't <laughs> mention that like I have a great relationship with my parents, like they love me. <laughs> I've never been to rehab. I've never had a nervous breakdown. Like those things that are probably like important details to add yeah there's no room for them like a medical intake brand. form like it's not <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do you think i should attach one of those to my pitch yeah. emails going forward and i'll just <laughs> no cart no history of cardiac illness and we exactly. just exactly or you should start asking your guests those questions <laughs> before they come on the show just i should sure. i should i should well i'm excited to talk to you you're fun already tales of taboo that's your show you cover a plethora of different topics. What's the idea? Like I get obviously taboo, but like what what is the idea? Why are you doing the show? And why did you start this yeah. show? Yeah. So I've been podcasting for many years at this point, And I had a show before that was called Health is Hell. And it basically created very comedic, raunchy conversations around wellness and our struggles with it. So I mostly spoke to comedians, performers, people who were kind of in the public eye in the social media realm or in like the New York City performance scene. But then the pandemic hit and all of a sudden being anxious and depressed and an alcoholic wasn't taboo anymore. Everybody was suffering <laughs> from those things and it wasn't out of the ordinary to talk about them. I also started thinking about how oversaturated the podcast space was in the sense that like the same guests tended to go on every show because the community is kind of small. And I was thinking to myself, okay, if we're hearing the same stories from the guests that are going on every single show why don't I flip the switch and make my audience the subject of each episode? Like, why is nobody asking their audience Mm -hmm. what their audience is struggling with? And so I kind of came up with the idea for this anonymous confessions format, where basically I cast for um, a particular life experience or, or a career or some belief system that's like a little bit off the beaten path, or as I say in my pitch, makes your conservative aunt clutch her pearls. (laughs) And then I will put up the casting for that on my Instagram. And then people who follow me and who listen to the show will submit their stories either through a voice note or a written submission that I will read for them. And what this does is it creates a holistic view of a particular life experience from the people who have actually lived it rather than the people who have media training or have learned to right. take their life experiences and turn it into like a regurgitated bit. And so I end up, you know, getting this amazing authentic view into these sides of 
Western human life and subcultures of America that, you know, we might read about in Vice or see on like all gas, no breaks, but we don't really know anything about it. So in summary, I would kind of call myself like half comedian and half investigative journalist um, because I'm presenting these stories that are very real, but in a way that's enjoyable to listen to on your miserable hour and a half long commute each morning. (laughs) Right. Oh, I love that. First, you had Health is Hell, which is a great title, by the way. So what's your like history with, well, like, why did you want to talk about health and wellness? Like, what's, what's the story there? Was that always an interest of yours? Did you like, did you want to be a dietitian? Oh my God, definitely not. (laughs) I (laughs) don't think anybody would trust me with giving them diet advice. It's like binge and then don't eat for a week. No, don't listen to me. So I wouldn't say that wellness was an interest of mine as much as it was a necessity for a lot of years and still is. I have struggled with a variety of physical and mental health issues for as long as I can remember. And you know, I've been in therapy for a lot of years. And when I say a lot of years, I mean over 20. And, you know, I, I don't know that that amount of time is common for all New York City Jews, but a lot of us have been in therapy <laughs> since the time that we emerged from the womb or close to it. And it got to a certain point where I thought to myself, you know, I've been in therapy for so many years and yet I'm still miserable. I have every privileged resource available to me and it's not working. If I'm going to therapy once a week, sometimes twice a week, if I have a psychiatrist, if I have a loving supportive family, if I have enough money to, you know, run away from my problems if I want to, why am I just not feeling better? And so this investigation started, I want to say in like 2014, where I just decided to go down the the wellness path that no one was exploring except for people in like Berkeley, California. And so Mm -hmm. that encompassed, you know, diet changes, exercise, but it was also the beginning of this like goop wellness craze where we were taking goop. Yeah. Yes. It was, it was, you know, kind of that period of time where people were looking for very unconventional remedies to solve their very first world problems, such as vaginal Mm -hmm. steaming, crystals, $150 supplements, isolation tanks. And um, I think I started a approaching that world out of desperation. But as soon as I got into it, I thought to myself, holy shit, like how is how is no one laughing at this? This is absolutely mm-hmm. absurd. And the cabal that is running this industry is composed of people who are deeply unwell and who are not qualified to be giving wellness right. advice. And, and so I realized that and it, it shook me. But beyond that, I also started thinking to myself, okay, like I come from a background in theater and performance and it just became very clear to me that wellness and comedy were not entirely dissimilar because they both surrounded wanting to be a part of something larger than yourself, wanting to make sense of how empty we all feel inside by connecting and facilitating communities. And, you know, I think there's a lot more self-exploitation that exists in uh, comedy than there does in wellness. But it was both about like, reaching for more and being more than we currently are and and kind of turning our lives our stories into this like mystical thing and um that's kind of the the path that i went down for a lot of years until i woke up one morning and i was like what the fuck am i doing i was just like i got into this culture because i needed it and now it's i've completely lost myself within this realm that is supposed to be about self-realization and that's mm-hmm. when I decided to rebrand into what I'm doing now. Right. Did you find any healing after you left the or like stop talking about wellness? Yeah, I I would say that I Look, there were some things that worked, some treatments that I did, um, you know, some of the ways in which I made fun of myself publicly and the time and the money that I was spending on these treatments. It did provide me with a sense of, you know, temporary wellness. It, it made me feel good. Some of it actually did work, but not for very long. And when I left the industry, I think what happened is that I was forced to think about what it is that I really wanted. And it also forced me to think about why do I keep searching rather than just embracing what is here? I know that I suffer mm-hmm. from ADD, from addictive tendencies, from anxiety, from depression, from all of these things that make me feel like a crazy person. But instead of constantly trying to heal myself, why am I not leaning into that 
more? Why am I not accepting that more? Why am I not exploring that versus what my life could look like if I looked as happy and free as all the wellness girls on Instagram or like all the skinny bikini bitches that we see everywhere? Mm -hmm. And so I think that the sense of healing, to answer your question, came in no longer running away from the sides of myself that were imperfect, but rather embracing them and realizing like, oh, I'm a human. This is normal. Like nobody is perfect. There is no one size fits all. And then, like I mentioned, you know, the pandemic hit and all of a sudden everybody was working from home. A lot of people were unsure about their employment situation. Everyone was abusing alcohol and drugs. Everybody was existential Mm -hmm. about the state of the world and like the world caught up to me. And so that in a very like dark way also kind of gave me a sense of belonging and a sense of finally feeling okay with myself because I didn't feel like the only person who was dealing with these things, but especially I didn't feel like the only woman who was talking about them on a public platform. Right. I think the thing with like all this, the, the wellness industry, and we can talk more about like wellness industry, but I want to first, I want to ask you about all the stuff you yeah. tried. But before I say that, I think the the problem with the wellness end- industry is that it like tries to sell you perfection or this yeah. like this pinnacle of health. And like, what, nobody really knows what that means. Like you're finally rid of all these quote unquote toxins. Like right. what does that even mean? Right. Like, it doesn't mean anything. It's it's kind of bullshit. It's pseudoscience in many ways. Yeah. And so therefore it makes you feel like there's something to always strive for, like this perfection. When in reality, like we all kind of suffer, like there is, we all have some shitty experiences to embrace. And then once you deal with like the little things, like one thing at a time, I think that's when you really, or at least from my experience, like when you really start to feel a little bit well. (laughs) Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And I'm so glad that you brought that up because like, what is a toxin? What is a toxin? (laughs) And like, there is definitely this pattern that I've noticed with not only like wellness people who work in the industry professionally, but like wellness hobbyists, let's call them like people who are (laughs) interested in wellness as like a part of their life, mostly amongst, you know, privileged white women, if we're being honest. And there's this pattern of like trying to rid our body of toxins as a way of like chipping away at our demons, right? And so that's what Mm -hmm. I was saying earlier about how so many people in the industry are like really dark, like people who not only suffer from like, you know, the the basic eating issues or or body dysmorphia, but like people who actively have drug problems who are teaching fitness classes and like Mm -hmm. chain smokers who are trying to tell you how to live like a peaceful life or like people who have these wild sexual fetishes that they dump all of their nervous energy into so that they don't abuse their bodies with drugs and alcohol or binge eating or whatever it is. And I just always thought that that was such a strange path to be like, okay, I'm going to drink all the charcoal and all the magnesium and all the greens and I'm going to sit in the infrared sauna and it's going to get rid of all of my toxins. But are are we substituting like a toxin for a demon? Because it doesn't get rid of your demons. Quite frankly, I'm not sure therapy even gets rid of your demons either. In my experience, the only thing that gets rid of your demons, and I define a demon as like, you know, something that you see as a dark side of yourself or an imperfection or something that can cause harm to you and the the people around you, the only way to really deal with that is to be honest about it. And the wellness industry actually encourages you to be wildly dishonest about it because the ultimate goal is perfection. And so we're led to believe that if we're a little bit messy, that we're not well, even though it's Mm -hmm. like the opposite is true. The more honest you are, the more forthcoming you are, the the more down you are with yourself, (laughs) the more free of toxins you are. Does that make sense? Totally, totally. Yeah, no, honestly, the day that I realized everything is bullshit was when, um, like, back in the day when, like, Snapchat was different, or no, Snap, whatever, Snapchat was different, and I saw this, like, wellness influencer. She was really huge, but I saw, like, in the background of her Snap, that so she was smoking, like, a cigarette. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. this is all a sham. It's all <laughs> a lie. I about myself. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I exactly. feel good about myself. Like, I don't fucking care. This is all so dumb. And, like, everybody has, like, does this stuff. And, like, they just try to put forth this perfect image because they, like, think that's what makes them feel better about themselves. Like, yeah. that's they're sort of lying to themselves. But really, like, the further you are from, like, yourself and, like, this brand image, going back to branding that you put forth on, like, social media, the more unhappy you are. Yes. So, like, either get off social media <laughs> right. or just, like, be honest. Why 
can't one exist like with the other? Why why is it that we think like, oh, if a girl like smokes cigarettes, like she's unwell? Like my whole thing when my personal brand revolved around this health is hell concept, I, I would have like a green juice in one hand and a Marlboro light in the other. Because I was like, <laughs> I don't understand why both things are equally unwell, to be honest with yeah, you. Like right. <laughs> pe- people who who subsist on green juice and people who subsist on cigarettes, like it's the same shit. And I didn't understand right. why we couldn't be honest that like the path to wellness or the path to liking ourselves was nuanced and complicated. And that like for every green juice I'm taking down, the one that doesn't have apple in it because I don't want the extra sugar, I'm smoking three cigarettes. And that's okay because like we're all just doing our best. And yeah, um, yeah I, I'm I'm happy that you brought that up because like that is fully what was going on behind the scenes. Like these, yeah. these women especially, I mean, and the men too, but especially especially the women, were just like everyone else behind closed doors, if not worse. And yet it was almost this God effect, this Jesus effect, the same way that like any person in a position of power who manages to amass followers knows that they have to position themselves as like knowing something that everyone else doesn't or having some sort of mm-hmm. like enlightenment that everyone else doesn't. Wellness is is money. It's 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 totally it's, it's ridiculous. You know, it's an industry. And um, I'm happy that everyone else is starting to figure that out. Yeah, for sure. It feels like cat food has been the same forever. Smelly, boring, made of mystery ingredients. That's why you've got to try Smalls. Smalls cat food is protein-packed recipes made with preservative-free ingredients you'd find in your fridge. And it's delivered right to your door. Make the switch from kibble and give your cat a meal they'll love. We actually sent some to my friend who is fostering kittens and it is the only thing they will eat. It comes in these pate packages and you scoop it and you just feel like you're a chef for your baby kitties and they j'adore it. Your cute kitty is descended from ferocious desert cats who hunted live prey. Even if your cat prefers to nap all day, they still need fresh protein-packed meals for a balanced and healthy diet. Other brands fill their food with mysterious meat byproducts, artificial flavoring, and preservatives with names I don't even want to try to pronounce. After switching it up to Smalls, 90% of cat owners reported overall health improvements. That's major. The team at Smalls is so confident your cat will love their product that you can try it risk-free. That means they'll completely refund you if your picky cat won't eat their food. Now is the time to make the switch to Smalls. Head to smalls.com DST and use promo code DST at checkout for 50% off your first order plus free shipping. That's the best offer you'll find, but you have to use my code DST for 50% off your first order. One last time, that's promo code DST for 50% off your first order plus free shipping, baby. This episode is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick but can't always find the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you, Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for this season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription clothing rental service. For just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles each month. Access to thousands of styles from more than 400 brands. There are no fees, late fees, damage fees, or fees to pause or cancel. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X as well as petite and maternity. And you always have the option to buy what you love. I love Newly. I've rented so many cute things from there, and I've even made a few purchases from there. And They're always spot on. They have so many brands that I honestly could never afford in real life. So it's great to be able to rent them. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles. But right now, you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code DST20. Just go to Newly, that's N U U L Y dot com, and enter the code DST20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y dot com, newly with two U's, with code DST20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. What are some of the crazy things that you did do back in the day or still do, honestly, like in terms of like the wellness trying, you know, exploration? Yeah. And like, what's your favorite and what was your like least favorite? Okay. So... It's funny, like at the time, this is not surprising to me now that I think about it, but at the time that I was really into all of this wellness stuff and I I was really kind of trying to get in touch with my body, I was also pursuing a commercial modeling career. And I had some success, not like enough to be doing that full time. 
Um, but I remember that I had an agent who on multiple occasions told me that I should wrap my legs in saran wrap and sit in a sauna. <laughs> That's very real. Like we see these oh, things. People in do that. People do that. People do like those lymphatic drainage massages. They wrap themselves in that black, like, it's insane. <laughs> right, exactly. And I actually saw like Rosalia post something the other day where yeah. like she was wrapped in that and sitting in a sauna and she's like preparing. I'm like, bitch, preparing for what? Like passing <laughs> out? Like hating yourself? Like <laughs> I have done that and it's it's horrid. It's actually horrible. And I think that sometimes like there's this euphoric feeling that we can get from detoxing ourselves. It's the same mm -hmm. way that like you push yourself in a really hard workout class and you come out and you're like, I feel like I want to die because I'm so tired, but I also feel really strong. You sit in the sauna for 60 minutes wrapped in a, in a garbage bag. You come out yeah. of it feeling lightheaded, but also enlightened. And so yeah. I, I think that that was probably or skinny my, or it, skinny, which also makes me <laughs> feel enlightened. Like, let's be yeah. honest. Anytime yeah. we feel skinny, we're just like, oh, my God, I can do whatever I want in this life. Mm -hmm. Like, I am mm -hmm. a champion. It's that feeling. It's the yes. feeling of skinny. Not exactly. It's not the even being. the appearance of being yeah. skinny. It's it's the feeling of skinniness, which like goes hand in hand with discipline. And so that was probably mm -hmm. my least favorite thing, not just the actual sitting in the sauna wrapped in an, a literal garbage bag, but just kind of this, <laughs> this mixture of like me feeling skinny equals me feeling well. And I think that I got carried away in a lot of the things that I did, um, especially with like all of these powders and supplements that are like marketed to you with like a woman like saluting the sun and just uh, we mistake wellness for the feeling of being skinny. However, on the other hand, like I really did enjoy the process of steaming my vagina because I didn't do it the old school way of like crouching over a pot, which is what you're supposed to do. I went to some clinic in Midtown, like near Bloomingdale's that's <laughs> owned by some ex real housewife. I forget her name. I'm sorry. I can send it to you. And you lie on a table kind of like you're at the gynecologist's office, not in stirrups, but like your legs are open and they basically uh -huh. steam your vagina with this incredibly high tech machine that blows steam into it the way that like a steam blows on your face before a facial and then there's uh -huh. led lights that go on that are supposed to be like antibacterial and tightening and all this stuff and for whatever reason i mean it was obviously deeply uncomfortable when you're on the table and somebody's <laughs> like doing this to you and no one enjoys yeah. that unless you're a masochist and a sociopath but when i walked out afterwards my skin was glowing and i just felt so good and i was like oh should i incorporate vaginal steaming into my routine i have not done it since yeah. but i did think about it i did your think face about it was glowing after yes. steaming your vagina yes it was glowing <laughs> i will go back years ago and i will find you a picture i went outside and i was like i've never looked better but i don't understand oh, wow. why so maybe all of the toxins that we are looking to rid ourselves <laughs> of actually exist within our vaginas who knows? Potentially. Similarly, I did masturbate with a crystal sex toy. Um, uh -huh. and I have that in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> I did do that. And I actually made like a sketch comedy bit that I put on Instagram to promote the company because I was working with them. And I look back, I was like, not only did I shoot this sketch in my parents' house, but like my parents follow oh. me on Instagram and they watch this whole thing of me like pretending to masturbate with the crystal. The fact that they have not disown me is actually amazing. But interestingly enough, that was a really awesome like masturbatory experience. I think part of it is that it, it's this, it, it's not a dildo because it doesn't look like a penis, but it's long and it's like kind of girthy, but it's also really heavy. So when you put it inside yourself, right. there's this like weird weight that exists that makes your orgasms like super strong. But beyond that, I think you know, there's something about like having this crystal and holding it to your body to like match your body temperature and and knowing that you're like masturbating with this thing that's like supposed to like bring you to higher consciousness rather than like, you mm -hmm. know, putting something that's silicone and shaped like a dick inside yourself. There was just <laughs> there was something that felt kind of like earthy about it that I found very mm -hmm. sexy. Um, and so I guess uh -huh. the moral of the story is all the wellness treatments that I did that involved putting things in my vagina or on my vagina were lovely and I would <laughs> highly recommend them. Anything else, I would strongly dissuade people from wanting to participate in. <laughs> no, thank you for sharing all of that. Um, and yeah, I guess that is funny that like most of the like toys are like shaped like penises when really like that is that attractive? 
I don't know. For everyone? No. Is that kind of vaguely toxic? That like in order to get yourself <laughs> off, you have to put something that's shaped like a penis inside yourself? I don't know. Like that's right. what I'm saying. There I was something know. that was kind of ambiguous about using this. This I, I can't even call it a toy because it's like a heavy crystal. It's polished and it's smooth. It's shiny. It's safe to use, but it is very much a crystal. And there's something that's yeah. like, this is going to sound really woo-woo and I'm not woo-woo anymore, but there's something that's yeah. kind of like self reliant about using it or something that's kind of like you are pleasuring yourself like with an object you're not pleasuring yourself with something that's shaped like a penis and look like Mm -hmm. i love men and like i am very lucky to currently be in a relationship that's extremely non-toxic but i have been in plenty of toxic relationships before and i do think that there's something odd about like women use masturbation as a way to like emancipate themselves from needing men to get off right but like the fact that we still (laughs) use a toy that's shaped like a penis we're still thinking about dick so it's like maybe we should all or a rabbit (laughs) exactly exactly so maybe we should all like get the crystal dildos just as a way of not having to be so reliant on penises or fake animals did you charge it in the moon before (laughs) did you They advise you to do that. I <laughs> no, they don't. Yeah, they they do. There's like a whole oh, that's list. So funny. There's a whole list of instructions <laughs> about ways that you should like energetically charge your right, dildo right. before using it. I ran it under yeah. some hot water because it was freezing, and I didn't want to put something freezing in my vagina just and to sterilize. Um, also, yes, also just because God knows where that's been. Actually, I know where it's been, and it needs to be cleaned. One time, I tried holding it like to my chest because they do tell you that you should try to like sink it with your natural body temperature and i was like i'm Uh lying on my bed with a crystal dildo in between my tits (laughs) there's nothing that's spiritual about this like let me just go back to my spiritual right like let me just go back to running it under the hot water and then shoving it up there and calling it a day well speaking of spirituality that's another thing that like i feel like when you were talking about all like the healthy eating or like the the stuff that people sell you within wellness and they like put like namaste like women doing yoga or anything like that there is like this sense of spirituality like this enlightenment like you said that goes with feeling like skinny but it's also like in the history of a lot of like different types of cultures like fasting is some is like a a thing that people do so i think that that like a lot of these diets or these like things that people sell you that like are veiled diets or hidden diets are veiled in this like spirituality and that's how they do sell it to you 100 percent. it's wild and look like i am somebody who's fasted and fasted for a long time and there is undoubtedly as we were saying before this feeling of enlightenment that comes with that this feeling Mm -hmm. of like it's successful discipline it goes back to that feeling of being skinny you're like holy shit i successfully starved myself Mm -hmm. between 15 and 20 hours like i can do anything i want because i managed to do this and so you come out of it feeling like you've done something really good for yourself that you have this increased sense of energy and vibrance but really i think we're just getting high on self-discipline the same way that i've been Mm -hmm. to yoga classes that take place inside in for red saunas. It's one thing to do a hot yoga class. It's another thing to be doing power yoga inside an infrared sauna. You sweat so much. You think you're going to die. You think you're going to drown in your own sweat. And that is marketed as detoxification. It's marketed as going to a different layer of of self-purification or or you know yoga is such a mental exercise too or going inside yourself but you're completely correct and that's terrifying right that like basically starvation or purification or like the removal of toxins is marketed as somehow bringing us close to some sort of like god or higher power but how point A does not lead to point B if you step back and really look at it for what it is. I think that when we're all trying to kind of find this elusive God figure, it's us just wanting to feel okay. It's us wanting to not feel empty and lonely and like we're going through life alone. Right, right, right. It's to find like some like higher power to believe in and it's like a new age of religion yes. in some ways. Yeah. So speaking of like fasting, and I know you did you did this uh, an episode about eating disorders yes. on your show. So how did that feel to hear all those stories? And what was the most surprising thing you learned from sharing all those people's stories? 
So I don't have I don't have an eating disorder by textbook purposes, but I do definitions rather by disorder definitions. Eating. Right. But I do have a very complicated my relationship with my body and I have very much used eating as a way to give myself a sense of control when my anxiety feels mm -hmm. out of order, when it feels like nothing I do is helping me curb my anxiety. And I I always thought to myself like, oh, okay, like controlling eating is something I can control. It's an anxiety coping mechanism, but it's lucky that this never spiraled out into an eating disorder, again, by the textbook definition. I think right. what surprised me about these anonymous submissions that I was getting is that it always came back to wanting a sense of control. It always came back to it, overwhelmingly it was women who who suffered from eating disorders that decided to share their stories with me and it came back to feeling abandoned as a child or uh you know familial dysfunction or having mental health that felt out of control, having substance abuse issues, alcohol abuse issues that they, you know, managed to kick but all of that nervous energy then got deposited into their relationship with food. And it really mm -hmm. opened my mind to what disordered eating means, especially in this day and age. I guess it's not as popular anymore, but you know, food is all over Instagram and branded food, curated food, whether it's from mm -hmm. chefs or people who make cakes or wellness people who are showing off what they eat in a day, or even just like hot girls on TikTok taking you through what they eat in a day. The potential mm -hmm. for disordered eating is everywhere, even if you do not fit the textbook definitions of anorexia or bulimia or orthorexia. And I think now so many of us suffer from anxiety. So many of us constantly feel like we're crawling out of our own skin and we're constantly bombarded with images of other women or other people and their bodies. And I think the the thing that was the most surprising is, you know, I was kind of raised to believe that anorexia looked like one thing, bulimia looked like one thing, mm -hmm. and eating disorder looked like one thing. But in actuality, if it all comes back to trying to to give ourselves a false sense of control, many more of us are suffering from eating disorders than we probably think. Yeah, I mean, we, we cover this a lot on the show. It's There's definitely a very large spectrum of like disordered eating before you ever if ever get diagnosed with an eating disorder there's 100%. you can and 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 you can have spots of it in different times of your life it doesn't have to be this like continuous thing that you struggle with all the time like and it takes different shapes like you know and and it, maybe maybe it's not that it, it doesn't hurt you but like some habits could be questionable yeah you know or like the things that you might do for the sake of health you have to like really look within yourself and ask why you're doing those. And I think that that's also like a big part of like disordered eating is like, why are you actually cutting out dairy? Do you have a yes. dairy intolerance? Yes. <laughs> or do you think that someone told you on Instagram that, you know, that you should, should stop eating. You should only drink oat milk, which by the way is very processed. Yes. And has oil and stabilizers in it. You're literally like drinking sunflower oil. It's vile. Okay, but sunflower oil doesn't necessarily have to be bad. That's another part of like the yeah. wellness industry. Like sunflower oil, there's lots of science behind it that it's actually not that bad. And like there's there's all these like wellness people saying that it's quote unquote rancid, but like really there's not that much data behind it being bad for you. It just says that it's inflammatory, but is it really? <laughs> like, yeah. you know what I mean? There's like so much, so many language that you just sort of subconsciously pick up and then you assume it to your like lifestyle. And it's really based in like fear mongering. And if you're actually questioning like, why am I not eating these things? Or why am I restricting myself from certain things? And if the answer is, oh, I have an allergy or it doesn't make me feel good, then that's fine. But if it's like, oh, I don't think it's the right thing. To, I, I think it's bad. Like I'm not supposed to be doing it. That to me is goes into the disordered eating territory because our relationship with food is not just, 
a one-way conversation. It includes everything that you read, constantly consume, watch people, are influenced by. On TikTok especially, I agree with you. It's insane. Yes. So I'm with you 100%. I also want to clarify that my view of sunflower oil is like, I don't really want to put sunflower oil in my coffee. Like, I just don't really want to put oil in my coffee. Like, that's kind of, that's disgusting. And um, I, I agree with you, though. I do think that we we need to have more reliable sources to advise us on what's healthy and what's not healthy versus yes. like what triggers us into thinking like, oh my God, like oil, I don't want oil or like carcinogens or, or all of these things mm-hmm. that are thinly veiled ways of saying like, this is going to get in my way of being skinny. I'm, I'm totally mm-hmm. with you. Um, this is the first time I've actually talked about this on another person's podcast before, but you have made me feel safe and I think it's the right place. So let's go for it. You are um, safe. You are safe. Something that was really interesting that happened to me going off what you mentioned about the dairy and like, do you actually have an intolerance is part of what got me into wellness in the first place is that I did have a really screwed up immune system. I got pneumonia my freshman year of high school. I had like an 103 degree fever for two weeks and it really, it just wiped me clean out. And I started getting chronic sinus infections, chronic like yeast infections and UTIs. My stomach was just all messed up. I had bad acne. Like all of a sudden I was dealing with all of these health issues that I never had before. And it felt like my body just had no resilience against anything. Like if there was one germ or again, quote unquote, toxin in the air, it would affect me. And so I started exploring these alternative diets and I did have success with some of them. Like I'm no longer religiously gluten-free But I do see a correlation between eating gluten and me getting cystic acne. But I think what started happening Mm -hmm. is the deeper I got into researching like what was an inflammatory food and what wasn't and what was a detoxifying food and what wasn't and what's good for your gut. I started convincing myself that I was allergic to a lot more foods than I actually was. I started thinking that all of these things that I was eating were upsetting my gut and were making me bloated and were causing these health issues. But I look back and I'm like, okay, when I was experimenting with being paleo and you're not allowed to eat any grains or any carbohydrates, that's not like a fruit, when you're craving dessert, you end up eating, or at least I ended up eating, half a jar of nut butter. You're not supposed to eat (laughs) half a jar of nut butter. That is like (laughs) 10 times the recommended serving. And so what do you think happens to your stomach when you eat however many almonds are in half a jar of nut butter? Your body is going to freak out and explode the same way that all of these healthy recipes were coming out for like brownies, right? Like healthy brownies that were made with black beans and 12 dates. 12 dates? That's (laughs) so much sugar. And so you see what I'm kind of getting at, which was I was eating foods that I believed to be healthy because I wasn't eating gluten, dairy, processed sugar, grains a lot of the times, but I was doubling up or tripling up or quadrupling up on all of these foods that are meant to be eaten in small quantities. So not only Mm -hmm. did it mess up my view of what a healthy food was, but also what I was allergic to and portion control. I completely Mm -hmm. lost my my ability to self-regulate when it came to portions because I, I was increasing my my portions of certain foods to make right. up for what I was depriving myself of. And even now, I struggle with that. I really struggle. I don't binge eat by the definition of what binge eating looks like, but I definitely mm-hmm. find myself having no control over the amount that's on my plate. And I still fall into those patterns of wanting to deprive myself of certain foods, whether it's for weight loss or because I don't feel well or I feel depressed and anxious and I want to control it. But the more I don't allow myself to have certain things, the more I overdo it on others that are supposed to be healthy substitutions. Right. And as a result, I, I'm i 29 years old and I don't know what a portion of food is actually supposed to look like. I don't know mm-hmm. what a serving of quinoa or brown rice pasta or regular pasta or bread is supposed to look like. And that has definitely obviously made me feel bad about not only my body, but also it, it makes me feel crazy sometimes. And I have to wonder how many other women out there have suffered from the same thing where in attempting to be healthy and attempting to get well, 
you ended up disordering your eating that was fine before you right. you tried to make it better, which I think is a very different struggle than simply reducing your calories in the pursuit of being thin. Absolutely. Yeah, because there's just so much information out there to consume and you don't know really who is right and like who is wrong and like who he seems like he's legit. Maybe I should follow his advice. And, and yeah, I hear you. And thank you for sharing. I know you said you haven't shared that before. Thank you for sharing. It's, I am the same way. I'm totally, sometimes I feel like I need, oh my God. And I need to get skinny. And I I had that like disordered eating, like basically my whole life. And I'm only the last couple years. Am I just kind of like getting over that? Or I hate the word healing, but like getting over it. <laughs> I know. We never heal. We're always broken. We Everybody heal. should know we're always <laughs> going to be wounded and broken. So deal with it. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, those previous thoughts just come back and you're like, oh, oh my God, I have no control. I read all this information and I don't know what it is. So I'm just going to go back to what I always thought before. And yeah, you end up binging the shit that you were restricting. It's very like textbook. It makes sense. But I end up with this conclusion on every show is that there is just needs to be more nutrition education from real experts and the problem is is that a lot of people pretend to be experts if they have some sort of like pseudo degree but there's a lot of disordered eating out there and we're all just kind of doing our best and like right now I'm gonna be I also will be honest with everyone here like I'm trying to see if maybe dairy does hurt my stomach or it doesn't so I haven't been eating dairy this last couple of weeks and I'm just kind of experimenting. But then I find myself like you, oh my God, like I'm restricting dairy. Like what else can I restrict? Yeah. <laughs> like yes. what, what else can I take out of my diet? Like, should I take out gluten? Like if I can do that, I could do anything. And then it just like spirals into this thing. But the really the most important thing is to be able to check yourself, I think, yeah. when you have a history of disordered eating and to say, okay, this is an unhealthy thought. Let's not judge it but it's slightly unhealthy. And so maybe what you're doing is you need to, to do it with someone. Like yeah. A, a professional. Yes, absolutely. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's another point that I'd like to bring up if it's okay with you that I just don't really hear anyone talk about and is a really big part of my life. So in this journey of learning how to manage my anxiety, my depression, and like how to take the medication that I have to take with the least amount of side effects, I have off and on um, not had consumed alcohol. I don't identify as an alcoholic by any means, but I do know that alcohol in certain ways just doesn't agree with me and my mental state. So since 2018, I've gone through these periods of being like Cali sober. I'm great with small amounts of weed. I love psychedelics, totally supportive of both of those things. But for whatever (laughs) reason, like alcohol just doesn't sit right with me. And so I will go through these periods of like a couple months at a time where I choose not to drink. And there's all sorts of conversations that could be had around like the societal reaction to someone choosing not to drink when they don't have to not drink. But the thing that sticks out to me is kind of that euphoric feeling that once again comes with removing things from your life or detoxifying Mm -hmm. yourself in some way. So objectively, not drinking is good for me. But I find myself, like clockwork, every single time I choose to give up booze, I start thinking, what else can I give up? I feel so Mm -hmm. good not waking up hungover. I feel so good not being bloated and binge eating or going to bed at three o'clock in the morning. What else can I do to clean up my life? And the food Mm -hmm. always follows. And it's this weird thing where it's like you, you reach a certain level of 
feeling godly because you've restricted yourself and and it just it all tumbles down like the domino effect mm -hmm. and i bring this up because obviously there are many people in this world i'm sure lots of your listeners who have a complicated relationship to alcohol and whether they're a you know textbook alcoholic or it's just they feel out of control with it obviously giving up booze can be a very good thing but i think that there is this idea that like giving up alcohol can once again cleanse you of all of your demons and can kind of be as addictive as drinking is. Are, do you know what, is, what I'm saying here? I'm sorry yeah. if I'm not like being yeah. eloquent. No, what you're saying makes sense. Like if you have a proclivity towards like wanting to detox in a way that's like sort of just a disordered relationship with food or anything, then removing anything can start to take you down that same path. While alcohol technically is, if we're talking about toxins, it is a toxin. Right. It's poison. It's <laughs> it literally poison. <laughs> it's, it does not. It's not good for your brain. That said, like we all know like in small amounts, like it's fine. I mean, as far as we know, it's fine as long as you don't have a complicated relationship with alcohol. Right. But yeah, I'm totally with you. And I sometimes think about that too. Like, what if I give up drinking? Right. <laughs> like, but really, I think the question is like, what is the answer that I'm looking for when I yes. ask that kind of question? When you say like, what if, then like, what do you want the answer to be? And I think that's when you're really honest with yourself, that's when you know like, oh, okay, maybe I should just stick to what I'm doing. Right. And the better question is like, what's missing from my life, right? Like when I wake up mm -hmm, and I'm hungover true. and I have anxiety, what is it that I'm anxious about? Where are there gaps that need to be filled? What ha what other habits do I have that trickle into my ability to go out, have a couple glasses of wine with my girlfriends and like have a good time? It's it's mm -hmm. asking yourself those questions that actually lead to, we're going to avoid the word healing. Um, so <laughs> let's say betterment, right? It's like Have, having a better relationship with yourself. Exactly. There you go. It's like asking those questions are really what solves the problem. And I know many women who have given up drinking because they say that they struggle with it. But I know for a fact that it's restriction. I know it's a dietetic thing. I know it's for weight loss. And Look, there's lots of interviews with reality stars who go on shows like Love Island or X on the Beach or like any of these shows that kind of revolve around like being in a bikini. And mm -hmm. journalists will ask these stars, what do you do to prepare? And one of the first to things prepare. they say to, pr to prepare, one of the first mm -hmm. things they say is like cut out drinking. And I think that we are kind of Obviously, we all know that alcohol is sugar, and if you don't drink, that you will lose weight or at least bloat. But I think that there there needs to be this line in the sand between people who give up drinking for wellness because they genuinely struggle with the substance, and people who give up drinking for quote unquote wellness because it it will trickle into other sectors of their life that they feel like they need to clean up. Yeah, and that's a complicated right. relationship with alcohol in and of itself. Yeah. And then there's also people who want to give up drinking because they know it makes them like act a certain way mm -hmm. or that they like, they can't just have one. They have to have it every day. It's like, it's like that. The thing that I do grapple with though is, and this brings us back to an earlier thing that we were talking about, like discipline, like, and like some of these other things, like self-discipline in like moderate quantities yeah. is, is good. Yeah. I, can 100%. I say good? Good? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, like I think I feel more productive or I just feel like I, I have a, a more organized life when I have some self-discipline. And I think, you know, if you have self-discipline around money, like that's a very good thing, <laughs> yeah. right? So why can't we also have some self-discipline about nutritious foods, like full of nutrition? So I'm trying to like approach it that way too. Like that's okay to do, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. As long as you're not going... One way or the other, of right? Course. Like restricting too hard or binging too hard. Of course. Right? And I think it goes back to what we were saying about you You have to think of the why. What What is it in your life that needs cleaning up? What is it that needs structure? What mm -hmm. is it that needs parameters? And look, for years, I had very little discipline in any sector of my life. I have always been a freelancer. I've had a lot of freedom in my schedule. I have impulsivity issues that come with my anxiety. I used to drink very heavily. I used to involve myself in a lot of 
risky situations, even now with my work, with exploring the subcultures and making my woman on the street videos and making my podcast, like I thrive Mm -hmm. off of environments that are chaotic to the point of almost (laughs) being unhinged. And for a lot of years, that's kind of how I self-identified. But it was only when I enforced a certain amount of discipline that I was able to find like meaning in the chaos and that I was able to turn all of these life experiences that I was having into something that was actually valuable. I I think we we just it's discipline for the sake of self-disciplining that is the problem. And you brought up a really Mm -hmm. interesting point earlier about how the people that most of us who exist on social media take advice from are people who have some really vague, like probably fake degree or who just have had a certain set of life experiences and because of that think that they're qualified to advise. That was a huge reason why I decided to rebrand from doing Health as Hell and having the previous format that I have to doing what I do now, which is like letting people speak for themselves. I didn't want to be put mm-hmm. in a position where people thought that like I was an amazing place to go to for advice. Like, yes, I have lived. I have a lot that I can share, but I'm not a therapist. I'm not a dietitian. Yeah. I am very much someone who struggles every single day and has just realized that being honest about it has led to a much more full feeling of being well than actually pursuing wellness. So that's another component of it is that like discipline is good, but who are you looking to for guidance within that process? Who are you looking to to tell you what discipline looks like? That's, I think, the biggest like factor. But to complicate things, there's also a lot of like dietitians or nutritionists that go into that field (laughs) because they have eating disorders. It's just like wellness habits. Right. So they get the good degrees. <laughs> yeah. But they go down that path because they have this like that's their main interest because they're interested in not from like the science of it or to help other people but because they themselves are obsessed with it from controlling them their own eating. Like that's like another layer of complication, but it's really funny we had people submit our DS tiers submit other taboos in wellness. One of them was choosing to be sober. Exactly. Huge. huge. <laughs> also, choosing regular milk versus dairy free. Like, people yep. feel it's now a taboo to, r- to drink like big milk. <laughs> It's controversial. And I have a couple of friends who like refuse to engage with nut milk or alternative milks. They're like, it's almost like they're they're trying to like fuck the system by like not engaging in (laughs) vegan milk. They're like, this is the most punk thing I could possibly do is drink milk from a cow's udder. And I was like, you're not wrong. Like, it's really anarchist. I love a 2%. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And you're like, you see someone who orders a 2% and you're like, how have you managed to rise above all this bullshit? It's like, it's God. What do you know? (laughs) What wisdom can you share? Like, maybe I should do an entire podcast episode that's just people who still order regular milk in their coffee. (laughs) They they have got some life wisdom that they can share with us. I love it. Yeah, that's hilarious. One more thing that I thought was interesting, a taboo. We have a whole list, but one taboo was actually wanting to lose weight. People feel that it's now because like sort of wellness went the other way of like, you have to be like very intuitive and you must, you, they feel that it's taboo to want to lose weight, which I thought was an interesting thing. And that kind of goes with like what we were saying earlier. Like if you like want to eat in a nutritious way, like 80% of the day, like there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, it's good for your body as long as you're not abusing the system or abusing the way in which your relationship with food one way or the other. Yeah, I think that was a good one. I have something I want to say about this that some people might find very controversial, but I I really believe it. it. I think that the body positivity movement has gotten out of control. And I actually think that body positivity can become a toxic mentality. I am much more about body neutrality because I think that body neutrality exists in this space where some days we like our bodies, some days we don't. Some days we're okay posting a bikini photo where there's like a little roll or a little like section that we don't like. Other days, we don't like the way that we look and we actively choose to change it. Body neutrality, in my mind, also like 
implies that women have agency over their own bodies. And that's something that we've forgotten in the Me Too era, in this new wave of feminism, in the fight for all of us to be taken seriously as equals, and also just in social media. Like Women have started to think that they have claim over other women's bodies and the choices that they make. And I get it. Like When you're exposed to so many images of other women who you perceive as looking better than you, we get Mm -hmm. hostile and we don't necessarily want to be exposed to all of that. But I think that we need to remember that like how somebody chooses to treat their body is entirely up to them. And it's okay Mm -hmm. to not like your body all the time. It's okay to want to lose weight. Like nobody can shame you about that. But I think that there is this fear, this taboo that exists within the body positivity movement where if we critique ourselves, other people critique us because they're like, oh, you're, we're taking a step back when you do that. Like we've worked so mm-hmm. hard to get here, but we're taking a step back. But, you know, it's like just as much as we should no longer be promoting the waif anorexic body type of the early 2000s, we should not also be promoting that everybody has to like completely rid themselves of every disciplinary tactic that they use in their life in order to feel like the best version of themselves. It's tough. Right. I agree about the body positive. I think what the the amazing things is just like more representation and then more diversity in media. I think that part of body it's not even body positive. It's just more diversity in media. Right. That's it. More body diversity in media. I think that is doing wonders for a lot of women who have very a- average bodies. The average American body is right. like size 14. So like anybody who is, like you said, way thin or a size zero, it's making them feel a little bit more represented, a little bit better about walking outside, buying a size that fits them and et cetera. The, what you're saying, I agree, is like just making us feel like we must accept our bodies no matter what is like too intense. Right. right. Or fake that we like our bodies to like put forth this concept that we love our body when secretly we really don't. And that push and pull is not healthy. Healthy. It's not our fault that we don't like our bodies. Right, That's another exactly. thing. It's because we've been told that there's only one ideal. So what are the rest of us really supposed to feel when that ideal does not match your own reality? So like, it's not really your fault that you don't like it. And also like, you can't just suddenly, just one day when somebody goes, oh, we're going to be body positive now. You can't just suddenly switch it on. Exactly. <laughs> like it takes years of, like you said, therapy and work and you need more, like the diversity you need to see it in order to believe it. And so it takes time. So like talking, like we are talking about like our disordered habits and our things that we do feel that might seem taboo. I think that does also help because it shows that it's okay to have these feelings. No one just switches it on and just is like, well, at any point. And yeah, I agree. Acceptance, neutrality, whatever. Yeah. Honestly, there should be no word. I I agree. (laughs) I completely agree. And I think that the biggest lessons that I've learned in doing my podcast, Tales of Taboo, and hearing all of these stories from all of these different like miniature worlds within the world that we live in is like, we need to get rid of this idea that certain things are good and certain things are bad. Certain things are like Mm -hmm. a positive attribute in your life. Other things are, are negative. And I think that the more comfortable we all become with just being honest, like in all ways, not just like being honest about what we look like and not using Facetune and trying to become more comfortable with our bodies, but just being being honest about what we think and how we feel. And this is becoming increasingly difficult within cancel culture. It can feel really intimidating to be honest, but it was like I was saying earlier in our chat that I only really felt better when I started being honest about who I was. Because the less secrets I felt I was keeping, the less sick I felt. And that wasn't just, mm-hmm. again, in in the realm of, of my relationship with my body and with wellness, but in the experiences that I had and in the thoughts that I was thinking. And I really... In my work, I try to encourage people to be the fullest version of themselves, which encompasses the 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 lighter, brighter parts and the darker parts. But I think that the more we can try to get rid of this black and white thinking of certain things are good and certain things are bad mm-hmm. in every capacity, that's like the only way that we can have a better world. 
I agree with you. I agree with you. Hard agree. I love it. Well, Allie, this has been fun. I could talk to you forever. I know. If anybody wants to talk to you, where can they find you? How can they submit yes. for your podcast? Tell them, or I guess I'll tell them directly. You yeah, guys should you slide. I will tell you loud and clear. <laughs> slide into my DMs. I am Allie Weiss World on Instagram. Instagram is also where I do at the moment all of the casting for my podcast. My podcast is called Tales of Taboo. It is available on all streaming platforms. And if you want to get in touch with me fast, if you've got a big secret to tell, you can email me through my website. Website. I am a chamber of secrets. <laughs> you, Allie Weiss, chamber of secrets. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great I love branding. it. Thank you so much for joining our show. And everyone, please go follow Allie. And you can follow me at Aileen. You can follow at Diet Starts Tomorrow. You can email us dst at betches.com and leave us a review. You know, I love those five stars. Anything less, I get very depressed about. <laughs> so just give us those five stars. Tell me why you like this show and who you else you want to have on. But Allie, you've been awesome. And we're always with you through thick and thin. Diet Starts Tomorrow is produced by Sean Kilby, Stacey Wong, and Jorge Morales-Pico. Editing by Stacey Wong. Be sure to follow at Diet Starts Tomorrow on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And send us your emails to dst at betches.com. Betches.